Not since watching a Netflix episode of Narcos have I seen so much white powder in the city of Toronto, up to 60 centimeters and counting in the GT area, playing the part of Pablo Escobar, Sammy McKee. Sammy's had some big weekends. We don't know what he's seen. Oh, Playing the part of DEA agent Steve Murphy, Justin Bourne. Bringing it home. Let's go get some bad guys. <laughs> I like that Sammy's a bad guy. What is it's going wild on? out there, boys. It is insanity. Everybody dug out? No. No, I, I mean we I, we had the neighbor snowblower going. We had my 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 five year old out there myself. We're still buried. We got no chance. I'm more of the wait till it all falls and then break your back on shoveling out the little pathway that I have that's, here. I don't, you know, that's telling. That's it just is. one. That's just one step away from uh, wait for spring to melt it. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Oh yeah. And I got to dig out the car eventually, too. I'm parked on the street, so that's going to be a disaster. The plow probably went by. It's just going to be a whole thing. So I got I got to be honest, Sammy. It's like a life evolution thing where I was 100% you. And a few years ago, I was like, boy, I should get out there. So it's not too hard when I try to lift it all late. You know, like it's an evolution. I think you'll old man it up eventually and get out there a couple times. Also, yeah. as you get older, it's nice just to leave the house to get outside and be like, all right. So there's well, that, too. I, there's a couple podcasts I want to listen to uh, today, so I'm going to put those on. I'm going to go dig out the car. I'm going to, you know, after the show's done, I'm going to go deal with everything. But, you know, I'm working during the day. I'm trying to produce this wonderful program, Real Kipper and Born. Yes, yes, I, yes. I don't have time to shovel, you know. And I'm just, it, I'm just busy. It's, it's really a shame because something like this usually in the past has been so much fun. Either, oh, yeah. uh, you know, especially with, with the kids. If they were in school on a regular schedule, They'd just be on their way home right now, or they never, it would just be a complete day off. Right now, yeah. I, I've got a daughter, you know, in her last year at uh, high school, just going, Where's my day off? Why do I have to be on a Zoom call right now? It just, yeah, totally I, I got to be honest, sucks. boys. I, I punted on it for my kid in the end. I was like, We're well, not technology, doing it. We're just it not ruined doing the it. snow day. Like, I, <laughs> you know, I remember when I was in high school up in Old Sound, we had a week, we had a snow week. Where there was just yeah. like the the city was shut down. There was so much snow, people couldn't get in or out. We didn't have online learning. I we was had, staying at home. I did not learn anything. You were a kid. No, we had a a, a New York uh, New York ninety five. There was this blizzard, and I think we had an afternoon game that we got right to the rain. Huh? Uh, the following year, yeah. And half the team didn't make it. We were waiting on it. Finally, they called the game, and it was like how quickly can we get to the bars <laughs> hey being, being at the bars when it's snowing is we, awesome it we, is agree i was i've never seen a group of guys so happy to hear uh, to find out a game's been postponed in the <laughs> afternoon so we're on like columbus ave and there's no car to be found just one guy who who found a snowmobile and had like uh nypd chasing him all over town barreling around on a on a skidoo <laughs> and there's the bar leaving to go play touch football out on uh, Columbus Avenue. It oh, was, how cool was that? That's it amazing. was awesome. But I have a sneaking suspicion no one's playing football right now no, <laughs> in, it, in Toronto with everything shut down, which is well, too bad. 
I saw I saw some guy ripping down Jane Street on an ATV with a plow on the front of it. I was like, what the <laughs> hell is going on? Where am I? People walking down the middle of the street. It's just I, – I have to say, I think I've lived in Toronto 11, 12 years now. This is the most snow I can remember. I, I honestly don't know if I – it's it's a lot out there. So all those people get your jokes off. All the people from up and on sound. All my buddies. Oh, you call in the army yet? Oh, shut up! <laughs> shut up! I hate that. It's snowing. Yeah. It's a city. Yeah. It's hard. It shuts everything down. So and get away your jokes. I'm not. Of it. There are some people stranded. Let's you know. We we know that there's there's some issues out there, and we hope yeah, everybody's but I got, safe. I got messages from people around from my other parts of the world being like, oh, making fun of Toronto. It's snowed a lot here today. People are in trouble. There's people stuck thinking, on the DVP. I was thinking how many times I blew off getting groceries hung over on a Sunday just to do it. You wake up on a Monday, no groceries in the fridge. You're going hungry here, so hopefully everything's oh, yeah. all right out there. Did, uh, did we get uh, a practice out of the Toronto Maple Leafs? My understanding is they did make it. There were some challenges, but uh, I think even... Um, uh, the Muzzins put out a video on Instagram talking about uh, a, a Range Rover being buried, I think. But for the most part, we think they made it. Uh, is that right, Sammy? Yeah, we got Luke Fox seems to be the only, maybe the only uh, reporter that might have made it to practice. Our, our intrepid Sportsnet reporter, but he's qu- tweeting out a wow. few quotes from there. Apparently, Kerfoot got he, stuck in his, he said, in his quote-unquote little car. So he had to Uber to the thing. Apparently, Tavares has got Kerf's a truck. got a so Civic? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, Tavares, man, he's got a truck. He strikes me as a truck guy, so he made and, it. But, and Luke uh, has, yeah. Luke Fox has snowshoes. <laughs> For sure. Fashion, I did a rod on the way in, just sled dogs bringing them home. <laughs> Who, uh, we can look at Luke and go for sure that guy owns snowshoes. He 100% owns <laughs> snowshoes. <laughs> and I don't mean that it's a, any sort of judgment aside from a flat out I think that guy. It's, it's got to be. Have you guys ever done have you guys ever gone snowshoeing? It's I cannot imagine a more purposeless event. It sucks. You just like, go meander about the woods, uh, huh? And, and you just crunch just... down into the It's like, oh, you're supposed to be on top of the snow. You just sink right down. It yeah, sucks. Yeah. And trust it from someone that tried it very young, uh, t- Tennis rackets don't work. <laughs> okay. yeah. They don't. They don't. I, I, I can. Yeah. I can confirm that. Yeah. No. That's All right. Not, so uh, not my stuff. What uh, before uh, this massive dump on the city of Toronto? Uh, what did we learn Saturday night? A six-five win over the St. Louis Blues and a team that uh, was awfully hot uh, at home on an on an incredible run. It kind of played out. A, a little bit for me, like I, not that I thought I would, but it 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 laid out to the strengths of the Toronto Maple Leafs, and that's offense, mm-hmm. and a scenario where they're still weak on the blue line, and I think both showed their faces tremendously Saturday night for me. It's actually funny to leave that game where you get a six-five win versus the St. Louis Blues and go. I don't know. I feel kind of the same as I, I did before the game. You know, you, you want to learn a whole bunch about the team, but I feel like, you know, Ma- you know, Matthews and Marner score, Tavares scores. Okay, we knew they could do that. Had some defensive issues from the s- same people. Only thing was, like, Jack Campbell having his first maybe off performance of the season, or at least the worst one anyway. Five goals and was it 22 shots, 24 yeah. shots? 22, yep. Yeah. So that's, by the way, the only the fourth time in his Leafs career he's given up five goals, and he's never given up more than five goals. So it's been a pretty good run to highlight how rare performances like that from Jack are. When we um, when we think as 
the most recent uh, faults in their game, it's been uh, overall the, the the blown leads. So if, if it's one thing I think that they can hang their hat on was that they actually found a way to win. That matters, Kipper, right? Like it I think matters. So. It matters that you find a way to win because we were talking about playoffs and the end of season, you know, whatever game you're in. You know, I think back to Tampa Bay winning uh, the last Stanley Cup there, the one in the bubble, and they had that 6-5 game with uh, Florida. You know, like you got to win some like that. You got to win some games one nothing along the way, but just can you find it? You know, the old, I think it was Gary Galley who we'll have on later commented about uh, the Grant Fear theory. If you give up five, just don't give up the sixth. They managed to shut the door when it counted. You mentioned Gary Galley. He's going to come along in about uh, 20 minutes, uh, and we'll recap everything from his eyes, uh, former National Hockey Leaguer and, of course, analyst for Sportsnet and Hockey Night in Canada. Cam Jansen, forward, uh, uh, former NHL forward, of course, co-host of the Cam and Strict podcast. Uh, he'll come along uh, later on in the hour, and we'll talk about Chris Pronger's night in St. Louis and maybe even some follow-up off the follow-up of Bobby Clark uh, from his show. And then in the second hour, Eric Francis. So, so much talk about the Edmonton Oilers and what's going on there, but can we stretch it out to the uh, the province of Alberta and what's going on also with the Calgary Flames? Dare I say it, uh, would we only have one team in the playoffs out of Canada? Is that becoming a bigger reality? So we'll get Eric Francis back. But uh, before we go much further, let's go uh, to Sheldon Keefe on his overall feel on Saturday night's game. A little bit crazy. Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting the way it works out a game like this, which kind of sums up the way the road trip uh, went for us. But obviously thrilled the way that it worked out. That Each time when we needed to push back and respond, uh, we did, whether it was after the first goal of the game, whether it was after giving up the lead and getting it back, um, or, you know, in the third period there, having to get a, a key goal in the power play. And then grinding it out to the end, um, you know, it's good to see for our guys. This is an important win for us going home. Big picture, I think, for him in yeah. that comment. And, yes, there is merit to it, uh, finding a way to win. Yeah, there is. Uh, you know, mentioning that, that was the important takeaway. Uh, do you have any... Any thoughts on the idea that they went up against Vegas and blew it, went up against Colorado and let that go and went up in this game and once again had that happen? Is that a part of a trend to you or is that just hockey games? There's some give and take good for them for getting up. No, no, it's uh, it's not. I think it, it is a bit of a mindset and, and getting the guys ramped up or, or just to understand that uh, when, when there are critical times, you, you have to rise to the occasion. I think it's been an issue for some of these guys. And I think it's been one that's uh, reared its ugly head uh, over the course in a short period of time of a year and a half, two years. So I, I want the guys being reminded. And I don't know if if, if Sheldon's the type of guy that uh, uh, ramps it up or, or reiterates messages on the bench or in between periods, but I, I think it's important for him to make it crystal clear here. This is This is where the game's on the line right here back half 10 minutes 12 minutes uh pushing as if you're down a goal even though you're up a goal right no no lulls that to me is a bigger issue than i think he's leading on right now and maybe maybe behind the scenes he's doing that maybe he just doesn't want to show it publicly 
I actually think there's a strong possibility that there is we're getting a different message than the one he's given his team. Why don't we listen to the clip on blown leads and then uh, and, and stay on this here for a sec? Sheldon, are you at all concerned about the how many leads you guys have surrendered on this road trip? No. Why not? Oh. Just because it's not indicative of who we've been all season long. I think each game has had its different circumstances, and I also think we're just getting back into it here. I think each game has been a different animal. I mean, I think today's game, I mean, I don't know when was the, when's the last time, you know, if ever, is, is Jack Campbell and Leaf Jersey given up five on 20, 22 shots. I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, I think it was indicative of how we were playing as a group. Um, thought we actually played quite well here tonight and all, even through the third period we are talking about our third periods but I thought we had a really good third period control the play didn't give up very much at all um, and then it just so happens when you control play like that a bounce goes your way so you know I, I think each game and each lead that we we gave up on this trip had some different circumstances around it um, yeah, I look more at the greater sample of who we were before the break, and, and we'll get ourselves back to that. See, I, I'm not a type of guy that would just blanket the regular season and, and just have an overall feel. I, I think I think there's, there's a lot of throwaway games, and uh, there's the haves and the have-nots, and the only games that matter to me are against the, the likes of a St. Louis, a Colorado when they're healthy and they're getting – you know, NHL goaltending and Vegas. And those to me are are the ones that are going to, they're going to have to help you get over the hump of your playoff woes. The the throwaways, uh, the the 6-1 wins over the Ottawa Senators, uh, great for your individual stat sheet. Yeah, you know what though, I I thought from what Sheldon said, my my one takeaway there is him being very careful not to point out that like, look, Jack Campbell wasn't good. Like yeah. we, you know, we, he's always good. We're not going to take shots at the guy, but like if he's better, we're probably we win that game a little more handily. Maybe it doesn't feel like so, the lead slipped away from us. JB, that's that's two games in a row. He's he's volunteered to put a spotlight on his goaltending. Mrazek, he did it, and, and now with Jack, he's done it. Uh, and yeah, that's a fair Jack point, was leaky. It is right. Jack it's a fair was, point to point at him. Yeah, I don't. I mean. I don't, I, I don't, again, I, I'm not sure I'd want to volunteer that. That's all, you know, yeah. especially with Jack. Jack's been so good, and that is arguably one of the worst games that he's had all year, and he was leaky. The good news is Bennington was one leak better than him. <laughs> Bennington sucked. I'm just going to yeah. go ahead and say it's a bad Bennington game. I'm not saying he sucks as a goalie. Excellent goalie. That was Horrible a bad night. showing, though. He'd say the same thing. Well, I, I think I like what Keith said in that response, and I agree with you, Kipper, that I don't think he should be so as as dismissive as he was there with Kevin McGrann's question, which was a good one. And I, I think that the, all the games have been different, though. And I think he is right. And he's right about Jack Campbell in that game. And it's funny that we came on the radio and I was yelling about how Jack Campbell's worth $6 million for six years or whatever. And then he goes out and has his worst game of the year. I don't think there's any coincidence there at all, but (laughs) how many of those goals do you want back? 
I'd say a good portion of them. None of them were very good. Yeah. None of them were yeah. clean shots. They were just kind of ugly ones. So and, um, I think Keith and, was right to kind of point it out there. But I think what Borny said, he did a good job not to completely throw him under the bus while alluding to the fact that the reason they were in such a close game was because of some shoddy goaltending, I think. I Again, watching that game Saturday night, guys, I think it showed what are are the issues when we're not getting spectacular goaltending. That was like mm. average goaltending, and it, it points to the blue line for me. I'm sorry, but even before I get to the leaky uh, goals, I, I look at the breakdowns, and I, I'm sorry, but and this is a broken record, but what is going on with Jake Muzzin? Mm. And I, the, the, uh, the O'Reilly goal, where he threw yeah. up a pizza right up the middle of, of, of the ice. It gets picked off. And then the next thing you know, I think we're at 3-2, uh, I think, if, if I'm not mistaken. But th- this is an ongoing thing here. And if you really want to go back, you might go back to coming out of training camp where he he's never looked as comfortable as he had in, in the height of his best games as a Toronto Maple Leaf that warranted the long-term contract of uh you know 5.6 million mm-hmm. and it's it's having an effect yeah it's a big effect just because he's a tent pole right he's a part of like the the structure of what this team is supposed to look like he's supposed to make his partner better and that's where you got value from justin hall you can pay a guy two million dollars when his partner picks him up when he isn't picking him up and both guys suddenly get worse you're in a world of hurt all of a sudden last night you found him playing a lot of minutes, you know, Hall on the COVID list, right? So Lilligren Mm -hmm. getting those minutes, and Lilligren, boy, boys, I I mean, this guy was a topic of conversation last uh, on Saturday night, uh, scores a goal, has an assist, he's up in the play. I thought he, everything that I thought was a problem with his game, I I saw once again. Yeah, and I completely agree. He had a front row seat for three of the goals, including the one that put them up. Was it the uh, Mikola that scored in front of the net? He had a front row seat. Jordan Cairo beats him on a, eh, could have probably See, been called probably. a penalty, but that he gets beat there. And the one where O'Reilly scores, it comes front of the net. He doesn't seal the post, and it makes its way to the front of the net. It finds I, its way into the back of the net. So we have never, I don't think this show has particularly been too fond of Lilligren's game this year. And I, yeah. people seem to See, like him. People seem to like what he does. But I just, I got to agree with you. I don't necessarily see it. And especially when he's elevated up with Jake Muzzin, which is supposed to be sort of your shutdown role pairing. It makes you long for a guy that we've been hammering all year in Justin Hall, which makes up a bigger point, is that this Leafs D needs help. The the Kairou, the, the one-on-one challenge where he just flat out beat him on the outside to go behind the net, that, that that's the concern for me, is being able to defend those one-on-ones. And when you get beat that clean, and Kairou's a high-end, high-end uh Are you talking guy. about the Kairou goal where he also shook, throws I, him off? Yes, yeah, yeah, the shimmer, the shimmer. Yeah. I think it was uh, uh, Thomas, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, where he spins behind the net? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So no, is, not he, the he... spin behind the net. There was the other one uh, mm. where it was just a, a one-on-one. Mikola skate. I think Mikola yeah, beats him off the wall to yeah. go behind four. the net. Yeah. It was yeah. a 5-4 yeah. uh, go-ahead yeah. goal. And that one yeah. is the, I need you to defend. 100% agree. I just need you to shut that down. And and it reminded me of Patrick Kane beating Kimo Timonen for the game-winning cup, uh, the cup-winning goal. Except it wasn't Patrick Kane; it was Mikola. 
that to me, if if you want to get now into that four five spot where you're you're going from twelve minutes a game to seventeen or eighteen or nineteen, like if you have thoughts of Lilligren being a, a top four guy, that is a reminder for me to hold your horses Saturday well, night. Yeah, you know, I was on the morning show with uh, Bunkus and crew this morning and ta- talking about Lilligren, and I-, I shared, I took one thing away from it that-, that is a really good point. I could see Lilligren going to another team and burning the Leafs, like where you're like, God, how do you let that guy go? He's playing in the second pair. He's getting 30-some points, playing 20. I could see it. The problem is... The Leafs aren't at that point in their curve where they can wait for the three years for that to happen. They need a guy this season to play on the third pair and be effective. And I think a Zach Bogosian who is making a million bucks and effectively, you know, playing on the third pair and doing it, playing a niche role of toughness in PK. Like Lilly, I'm not saying Lilligren's not an NHLer. That war has been won. Lilligren is an NHLer. I do not think he's good enough to be on the Leafs' third pair this year for them to win a cup. Uh, I, I'm not as I'm not as confident that this guy could step in uh, in the next few years. It could happen. I'm not saying it won't, but I'm I'm not nearly as confident that 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 will happen. And At I, all. there's just That'll there's just some there. guys. There's just some blue liners, as you said, serviceable solid citizens in the National Hockey League can have a solid career, make make good money, and will always be in that position of could have been a four, but five or six is a little bit more comfortable. Like a Cody Cece, you know, a Bogosian. Those guys have had great success, and sometimes when it's needed, they can log on big minutes, but most often than not, you're finding yourself in a in a supportive role. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's just not not seeing a place. And a beautiful goal. I like. I like how active he is. It's great that he scored. Uh, sure. <laughs> anyway, is that enough, okay. Lilligren? Can we should we get on to Marner here? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, the other thing too is you know again, uh, watching that game Saturday night, and and you know the Blues are obviously disappointed uh, in getting into a a gunfight with some major shooters like Matthews mm-hmm. and Marner, but. Just a just it needs to be noted. No Tarasenko, no Shen, no Peron, no Pareko, Bushnevich, and and six foot five Brown. Okay, That's so many good players. No, 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 no. <laughs> a third of their lineup out, and a third okay. of their best by time on ice. That's half their lineup. <laughs> okay, uh, like did, T- Toronto scoring five with Pareko, who when he's healthy is one of the best shutdown guys in the game. I'm just Six. I just want to put it in perspective a little bit. That is a hell of a front a third of your solid solid players. That's wow, a deep but the Leafs are missing Hall. <laughs> <laughs> that first goal that they scored, the Ryan O'Reilly where he made that little he turns over the blade, flips it to the to the half boards, goes to the net, perfect pass, bing bing in the back of the net. I love Ryan O'Reilly. He's just such a like no visor at all. Beard. Pardon? Yeah. I didn't like Matthews on that first goal. At no, no, all. he was. No, no, I agree. But it, it was a yeah. nice goal. It looked good to my eye. Beautiful, beautiful. Mitch goal Marner sure. didn't uh, didn't look like he missed a beat, guys. No, that you know, Sammy. We were all talking before coming on air. Like, if Marner's not in the lineup on Saturday night, they lose. Agreed. 
I have no addendum to that or parentheses. They they just they lose. They don't I, they don't get that first goal. They don't get the spinorama power play goal. You know he's just so effective. I think maybe that I'm hanging out with Kipper too much, but maybe it's the old absence makes the heart grow fonder situation with Mitch Marner. But having him back in the lineup, you're like, oh boy, this you know having a guy that plays 20 minutes, all situations, great energy, great passer, like the play he made on his goal where he was in deep on the puck, strips the puck, it comes out into the slot, takes a one hand, turns around, shoots it high over Bennington, who, boy, the high glove was not not kind to Bennington on Saturday night. No. But it's just to have a guy that does all that for you, just come back into the lineup and look like that, it's not that you forget. Obviously, he's played a lot of games this year, but he was out for a long stretch there. I mean, he was hurt, the COVID, the whole situation. And now just having him back against a good team, like, I don't know. I think it might be hanging out with Kipper too much because, uh, <laughs> you know, I really love Martyr on that, that, that on Saturday night. I just and, I, He just brings so much. And for me, again, uh, I, I can't tell you, like, up front, it's, it's not perfect, but neither is anyone else's. It's as good as anybody's. And when they're forechecking and they got their lively legs going, they are a handful. And St. Louis saw it. Uh, but you get average leaky goaltending, which hasn't happened pretty much all season long, and some missed assignments one-on-one, case in point Lilligren. That's, that's what you're going to get here. So I think it's crystal clear for Kyle Dubas one defenseman, if not two, is a must right friggin' now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, one thing that uh, I know we got Gary coming on in just a second. I wanted to note before we get to him was uh, the Matthews play on the first goal where he flipped his hand over oh. the stick and shot it on net. How Nasty. good was that play? He, like, faked the pullback and went to the shot. Riley, like, cleared out and gave him the lane, so Matthews adjusted. I mean, unbelievable play that was, huh? And it, he almost beat him. And then the the rebound lands right on Bunting's stick, and he fluffs it, and it goes back across the body five hole on Bennington. Like, it could have been – he had a tap-in wide open net, and he went back across. But, yeah, I love – that's the Mario Lemieux play. Shooting yeah, off let me the... – so here's what Riley had to say. He said it was a great play by him. It was really smart. He said, when I'm going hard backhand like that, he made a good play. I've got to give him credit. He made a good play, and it was a tough one to eat. Matthew says – I know their guy O'Reilly draws inside on his backhand, so I just told Bunce to go to the net and see what happens. Was able to get some pretty good wood on it, and he made a really nice play to corral the puck and put it in. So, like, it's cool to hear the two of them talking about the mindset on that, eh? Yeah. Kevin VX and uh, uh, David Amber on Saturday night had a a nice piece on Tavares' face-offs and how he's adjusted over the years. But overall, they've owned the dot Again, oh, Saturday man. night, I think over 60% face-offs won to St. Louis is under 40. And when you got Ryan O'Reilly there, and he's Ooh. getting his lunch fed to him as well, uh, it, it makes a big difference. That is such a huge, huge part of the Toronto Maple Leafs ar- arsenal. So let's bring in Gary Galley. He watched it uh, and called the game Saturday night. An entertaining one, but I'm not sure, Gary... Uh, it, it leaves uh, maybe Leaf management uh, comfortable to say that uh, we can go up against the big boys right now. It just seems to be that balance. Again, money up front, but maybe a little uh, vulnerable on the back end. Is that the way you saw it Saturday night? Hey, Nick, yeah, the, you know, the one thing I looked at, uh, you know, when I was preparing for the games coming up, uh, I was doing three Leaf games in a row, so I was preparing from before and kind of moving forward was the one thing that I looked at them is their identity obviously has changed because they are trying to build 
a better defensive structure to their to their repertoire. They know they can score goals. Um, they needed some consistent goaltending, which they've started to get uh, with Jack Campbell, and they've had for a period of time now. Uh, you know, their penalty killing got better, but that can be accredited to good goaltending. Their goals against, again, credited to good goaltending, and sometimes goaltending can mask um, some some liabilities that you may have on the back end. I mean, I remember playing in Buffalo with Dominic behind us, you know, and, you know, when you make a, a mistake, it doesn't end up in your net, you know, your confidence doesn't get, you know, beaten up at all. And you, and you win games maybe that you, you wouldn't have won. So Jack Campbell has provided some really excellent goaltending for them. And, and I think the last, you know, few starts, I think the defensive breakdowns have kind of, yeah, have, have left him out a little bit and he hasn't been able to make as many saves as he has been. So the scores have kind of, kind of teetered up a little bit back to back Saturdays, six, five games. I don't think that's the way you want to win games. Uh, they're exciting and they're fun for me. It's great. <laughs> lots of goals and <laughs> lots of excitement for the fans. But I think if you're the coaching staff and every time we panned the bench and you, you went on Sheldon or you went on Greg Berube, you could tell that, you know, they're going to try to pull a win out of the rabbit out of the hat here. Uh, Sheldon Keefe accomplished that, but I don't think they're overly pleased with how they were doing it. No, I, there's actually a great clip that you guys were showing of Sheldon Keefe, like hanging his head before the timeout. That just looked like, you know, he was, he was feeling the pressure a little bit. So how much uh, stock should he put in the teams getting up, you know, uh, on Colorado, on Vegas, and then St. Louis, and then letting those, those leads slip away, just given their kind of mid-season, regular season? Is that, is that a, a more problematic thing or just sort of mid-season hockey the way it goes? Well, Justin, it's hard hard to tell. And again, I think what I know, good credit to Sheldon Keith because he was when we panned the bench at first, you could tell he was angry. And then by the time he called the timeout and got all the guys over, I think he kind of settled himself down and he came across more, I think, calmer and a little more gentler. I think maybe he didn't want to, you know, portray that anger out there at that particular time. And I think it was a smart choice because I think it seemed to work. But I, when you're playing in this road trip, to me, when I looked at it, when you know, and you got you got Vegas and you got Colorado and you got St. Louis, and now you got the Rangers coming up. I mean, the only layup in this whole thing was Arizona, and they lost that one. So here you go, you got these other four top end NHL teams that are all probably capable and will be in the talk of, you know, uh, possibly taking a run at the Stanley Cup. And here's Toronto having an opportunity to measure themselves against those teams around the halfway part of the season to really see where they sit. And I think uh, when, uh, Nick kind of, kind of, you know, tipped a little bit saying that I think defensively they thought they had made a lot of improvements. They were doing much better, but I think it's not as good as they thought they were. And I think there's going to have to be some more work done, uh, possibly even acquiring a guy on the back end to help them a little bit. Someone who could carry some strong minutes and, 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 and be more predictable. And I think sometimes in their end, uh, but at the end of the day, I don't think you want to win game six, five and, you know, you lose one in a shootout and you win one, uh, in a in a nail biter, and then you know the Vegas game. You know they lost the lead, but they were, they were able to get it back in the show. In a playoff game, I mean you you drop a couple of those, and it, it could end up costing you a series. And I think that's the thing you have to you have to start looking at is that as they come down these last forty games uh, for Sheldon Keith is going to be you know we're starting to prepare and get ourselves ready for the playoffs, and um, there are no layups coming out of the Atlantic Division. You are not going to get a layup in the first round, and I, I don't even know if there's such thing anymore the National Hockey League in the first round. And, and Nick will attest to this and that, you know, the first round sometimes is the hardest one. It, it, you know, everyone's hitting the playoffs and going, hey, here we are, we're at the dance, anything can happen kind of thing. Um, but uh, I do think that there are some things that the Toronto Maple Leafs management and Sheldon Keefe and his coaching staff 
are looking at through these games. And this is why you need these games to be able to look at them and say, okay, we, we still have the scoring punch. We still have the, the game breaker ability and the star power, um, you know, but we can't continue to, you know, put our goalie in situations where we're giving these great A quality scoring chances because eventually maybe his confidence gets beat up a little bit. And then, then, then the issue starts to be, you know, is, is he playing as well as he was, you know, because he certainly was, uh, you know, they're almost their MVP. I mean, he was really fantastic through the first 35, 40 games. Hey, Gary, one thing that they didn't foresee was, I think, the struggles of, of their number one shutdown pair. And Jake Muzzin and Justin Hall have struggled for the better part of, of the, the season here. Um, you've played over 1,100 games in the National Hockey League, and I've, I've competed against you on some pretty tough blue lines in your career. When you see a guy like Jake Muzzin sometimes struggle or not there maybe mentally or physically, and sometimes I watched his body language after a pass up the middle, and it's like it, it sinks and there's no question that he's he's fighting something right now. What do you what do you do? What do you say? How does he get up? How does he get himself out of this thing? You're right. I don't think Jake Muzzin is playing near at the caliber that they were hoping he was going to be playing at. And you know, I'll, I'll kind of not a, not the same types of players, but their importance to their team. I'll go to like Petrie in Montreal. You know, and and you know what the ca- player's capable of playing like but you're just not seeing it. And I think at the beginning, a coaching staff will give the benefit of the doubt. I know I was given the benefit of the doubt a lot of times when I was going through a tough spell uh, that they feel like, you know, you know, this player has given us a lot of really good games, so we're not going to jump all over him. Let's let him try to get it figured out. And as this thing starts to creep longer and longer, I think then what happens is you start having a sit-down with your defenseman coach, sit down with your head coach. Hey, we, we got to get some things straightened away here. Um, it's a lot of video you're looking at, and and sometimes maybe it's not video. Maybe the player is not particularly healthy. Maybe the player just mentally has lost his confidence and physically uh, doesn't feel it right now, and, and uh, there's a lot of doubt in his game. Um, I definitely looks like, to me, like his, his mobility looks a bit off a little bit to me. I don't think he looks as as quick and he was not a super quick guy to start with right this is a big strong well-positioned defenseman who understands his role and plays it to his ability and and Hall's the same way they're guys that understand their roles but right now and if one part of the duo struggles the other part maybe can't can't maintain it and then it starts to put more pressure on that side and eventually it becomes this uh, this little hodgepodge we're seeing right now where they're not playing to their capabilities but um, they're going to need them to really need them to um, uh, heading down the stretch and down these last this last half of the season to get their confidence back and start playing like they're capable of playing because those were two guys that you didn't really have to worry about if you're Sheldon Keith. You kind of figure, okay, I know these guys are going to always play this way for me, so these are guys that don't have to worry about. And now they have become a bit of a worry for them, and, uh, and that's just more adding on to uh, heading down it because this is the defensive side of the game and the defensive core has always been the question mark. You know, and, and, and people have argued back and forth that, you know, that, uh, you know, if they had better goaltending, they, sh- they would be able to, you know, they didn't think the goaltending maybe was up to snuff when it counted. But uh, you can't say that about Jack Campbell. I think he's been really good. So I think the defensive core in the St. Louis game, the, the breakdowns were critical. I mean, when they were giving up the puck and when the thing was turning over, I mean, this was right at the net, right on top of Campbell. I mean, there's not a lot you can do. They had a couple of fortuitous bounces in St. Louis, but at the end of the day, I think just giving up too much in a game against a good hockey team. 
You know what? Uh, I mentioned maybe his body language sagging on the 3 2 uh, O'Reilly goal, but he took a hell of a hit now that I remember behind the net. Head, yep. It was Costin that hit him and it rattled him. And again, I, not to drum up this age old uh, scenario of when a guy comes out, when he doesn't come out, but he took a hell of a hit, Gary. And I'm just wondering where where was everybody there, i.e., the spotters? The, the head, the, the head. I, I remember mentioning it right away in the broadcast that he was trying to get himself off the ice. He he took the hit. Uh, I don't think there was malice in the contact. I think it was a hard forecheck. I think he lowered his head a little bit, and I think it was just unfortunate. Uh, nonetheless, his head did hit the glass. It did get compressed there, and and he and he tried to shake it and shake it off, and you could tell he wasn't himself. Um, he looked like he wanted to get to the bench, but the play turned over and yes. uh, inside their zone, and he kind of got caught there. He tried to re, and you know what it's like when you're reeling from something that's really bothering you, an injury, or or you've gotten a pretty good whack or block a shot. You're going to hang in there the best you can, but you know half your brain is trying to deal with the pain, and the other half's trying to figure out where you are on the ice, and and uh, it doesn't really bode well. And and um, I was surprised that he wasn't pulled out for a period of time. Um, you know, because if he gets to the bench and he says, no, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, it really is regardless to what you said. The spotter up, t- up top calls down and just pulls him. No one else has a say in that. So uh, I was a bit surprised that he, he wasn't taken out. He did come back and play the rest of the game. Um, I haven't heard anything, uh, you know, moving forward. But, uh, you know, for, for him, he certainly didn't look like himself in that shift. And, uh, and, and, and I don't recall him missing a lot of shifts. So I think he came right, right back in and played. Um, but that rattles you sure for sure. And I've had it happen to me and, and, uh, sometimes it can take you a period or two and sometimes, uh, even a few days before you feel good again. If it's, even if it's just, you know, you get your bell rung a little bit, it's not a concussion, but still it can shake you up a little bit. Yeah, for sure. And then his partner on that goal kind of got, uh, you know, was it wasn't the greatest execution from Lilligren uh, at the end of that play. So I was actually dying to get your take on this. Uh, you know, you had a, a great view of the game and know the defensive position so well. Uh, at the end of the game, Lilligren is on the ice for the Leafs, defending a 6-5 league. Like, Sheldon Keefe has him over the boards. Is that commentary on how Keefe feels about the other D or how he feels about Lilligren's ability to defend? You're right. In the first half of that, when you said, you know, Sheldon Keith knows what's going on amongst his 6D. He knows yeah. uh, maybe uh, Muzzin's struggling a little bit. Maybe he feels like, you know, that hit. he has all this stuff in his head as he's making his decisions down towards the end of it. But I do remember leaning over to, to uh, uh, you know, to Chris Cuthbert and saying, like, you know, boy, he's got a little girl on the ice. That's like, that's showing a lot of confidence in, in, in somebody that hasn't played an awful lot. And also, who has uh, who, who didn't look like I wouldn't say he had a good game. I think he looked really good offensively. He had the goal. He was up the ice. He made a lot of really good things happen offensively. But defensively, he had two or three bobbles, and he had some missed assignments in his end. So I was surprised to see him out there on the six on five. But you're right; it might have just came down to you know a couple guys might have came off. He couldn't get back to those guys. One guy was having a tough night, and he thought, you know what? Uh, this guy's had a decent night overall. Let's 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 go with him, and and he was out there. But I was surprised to see him out there. I, I won't I won't lie to you. Just off the top of the show, Gary, we're just uh, you know speaking of the, that Toronto offense that keeps coming back at you. And we know they're almost uh, perfect when both Austin and and Mitch score in the same game. But 
you know, when you can throw out a third line now and all of a sudden Mikheyev, uh, I believe, has now five goals in seven games played. And although it's a goal that we don't often see uh, come playoff time, uh, it, it's it's a nice balanced attack. Heck, they, they, they've, they're paying a premium for their forwards up front, but they're not disappointing. No, I, 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 I think when they got Marner and Envall back into the game against St. Louis, and, and of course, you know, the other side of it is St. Louis was missing a ton of high-end players. Um, so, but, but Toronto has gone through their, uh, their COVID-19 issues as well. But getting Marner and Engvall back brought them some energy into their lineup that I think they were missing in the Arizona game. Yeah, they were putting up a lot of shots and stuff. But, but just Marner brings energy just the way he plays naturally. Uh, and, and Engvall as well is a big a guy that gets in on the forecheck and, and dusts up pucks and pushes the play. And, and he is, I think, developed into a real good, solid third-line player. So the, the Leafs were able to put their top three lines in play and get all the guys in the right slots. And, and that voted well for them to play in a shootout game like that because you've got some of the guys that are, are going. And, uh, and Austin Matthews has looked great. And, uh, and every shift he's on the ice, he's a going concern. Um, you know, and Nylander has slowed a little bit, but, uh, you know, he still, when he picks the puck up, you can tell he's got that in his eye where he feels like he can do anything. And he's got that confidence, so it's going well. But the third line uh, really has done some damage. And, and, and Mikhaev has scored uh, Mikhaev has scored like a power, couple of power play goals, a shorthanded goal. He just had a game-winning goal. Uh, you know, he's missed a lot of time. He's excited to be back in and playing again, and it's really showed. Uh, you know, you got Camp. That's really a solid defenseman, good to a uh, solid centerman, two hundred foot player. He makes good, smart decisions, and it really loosens up Mikheyev uh, and Engvall to kind of get loose and get going and 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 do some do some good things uh, offensively. And I thought they both played really well in that game. Engvall had a couple of points. Uh, Marner came in and got a goal and assist, and and of course Mikheyev with the with the game winning goal, which kind of reminded me of the Patrick games Patrick Kane Stanley Cup winning goal where he fired it in and no one knew really whether it was in or not. And then, and then all of a sudden they celebrated the cup. So, um, you know, it doesn't really matter how you get them to go in. The Leafs uh, found a way in the third period to show some character and uh, blow kind of a lead in the game again, but they found a way to get it back. uh, Something that uh, hadn't happened, uh, you know, in the, in in the, didn't happen in the game in Colorado where it was moving all over the place. And eventually they lost that game, but in Vegas, and in St. Louis, they are able to get it back. And so you got to say, hey, at the end of the day, playing the teams they've played on this road trip, 2-1-1 uh, one one is not the worst thing. If they could, you know, win in New York, which is going to be a, a tough test, um, you know, that, that, that would be a heck of a decent road trip, to, you know, with only one game to finish it off. God, great hockey minds think alike, eh, JB? Uh, I, I said the same thing, Gary, about the uh, the cup-winning goal. I saw that, too, the little shake, the chimmy shake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey. Yeah, it was like, you know, it's like as a, as a broadcaster, you know, you always take pride in, in kind of seeing things and, and being ahead of things a little bit. So, you know, you feel like you're, you're in control of your game when you're doing the game. Uh, but there was a lot of times in, in that game where there was things that were happening where, you know, and of course, you know, we're doing the game off the screen now because of COVID-19 and everything. So things disappear off the screen a lot faster than you can pick it up at a game. You know, if you lose something in a game, you can, you can go back and pick something up. But on a screen, whether it doesn't matter whether it's an 85-inch screen, you lose things sometimes a little bit quicker. So you're trying to you're trying to pick them back up. And the guys in the truck, of course, are fantastic and always helping, helping us and stuff. But the, that particular one there, 
we we had no clue. Me me and CC were looking at each other. We had no clue whether it was in or not. We were kind of watching the players, and the players weren't doing anything. And I was like, "Boy, this isn't good. This is not good." But uh, thank 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 the Lord for re, for replays. Well, listen, Gary, it was great hearing your voice uh, Saturday night. You do a terrific job. Craig Simpson, Louis DeBrusque, uh, Greg Mellon, some of the best in the business, and it was uh, it was a great call Saturday night. We really appreciate your feedback on on the game, and uh, best of luck, luck this week. Uh, stay safe, and we'll catch up with you real soon here, Gary. Thank you. Hey, love chatting with you guys. You take care. Great job, and uh, look forward to talking to you guys soon. Thanks, Gary, Gary Galley, former NHLer. Close to 1,150 games, just one shy, 49 in his career. Uh, a great one indeed. All right, we're going to take a quick break here. Cam Jansen, former NHL forward and co-host of the Cam and Strict podcast, will get his hot takes on Pronger Night in St. Louis, plus yeah, maybe a little bit more of the follow-up of Bobby Clark and, uh, and his thoughts on his podcast and how surprised was he to hear how candid Bobby Clark was. All after the break, you're listening to Real Kipper and Born, show number 70.